0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. You're listening to Hear Us Say with Renisha on Otago Access Radio at 105.4 FM Dunedin. Welcome to another episode of Hear Us Say with myself Ranisha um, and I have the beautiful Rabia joining me all the way from Wellington via Zoom. Um, I hope you're all doing well. I hope lockdowns lifted. This is another video call over Zoom um, but hopefully um, the sound and the the quality is um, all right. I'm just going to get Rabia to introduce herself and we'll get right into the episode. Oh, really Thank old. you, Radisha. Uh, or oh, kira aslamalikum.
1: Uh, my name is Rabia Naiqula, and I, um, yeah, am from Wellington. So um, I was yeah born and bred here in Porirua, and I am currently, well, professionally, I work for the Ministry of Social Development um, in the policy space, and um, outside of that, I am part of a number of uh, voluntary organizations specifically within the multicultural space so for the um, Federation of uh, Multicultural New Zealand I am the natural secretary as well as um, in the youth um, sector as well there and locally I am the president for the Porino Multicultural Council and yeah that's a bit about me and
0: um, I guess my background I should probably <laughs> Okay. Um, I think that's a lot about you and your background to be honest <laughs> you're doing you're doing so much for the community and I guess this is a chance for me to say thank you as well because some of the spaces you work with you've brought it forward for other young people to engage with as well so you know I'm all about collective action and when I see um, young leaders championing that and making sure that they leave their legacy behind for it to be continued rather than to be forgotten and um, it really really makes me proud and, you being another you know I'm um, called Fijian Indian that I have on this space um it's also been an honor um, and a privilege to have you here so thank you for joining me um so let's start with the questions actually um because I'm really excited to know what you um, have to bring to the table um so the first question that I have um for us to go through quite briefly actually is um what did you learn about the Treaty of Waitangi or shall I say or Tertiary or Waitangi at school?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question, um, and very little actually. So um, I feel like a lot of people could probably resonate with that answer. Um, but I personally went to um, just a regular public school growing up um, here in uh, Porirua. and um, I, yeah, I just didn't didn't really. I don't remember actually learning anything about Tiriti Waitangi. Um, and it wasn't until I probably came to university, um, and I started off with a law degree, so I did laws one-to-one, which is where I learnt and was exposed to, um, the treaty and, um, you know, the different articles and the different translations, and even knowing that there was, you know, two translations, um, yeah, I just didn't really have any, prior exposure or experience in that space and um I'm just really grateful that I did that course and even though I didn't follow through on it but um I'm grateful for learning just I, the basics really um about you know the people of our land and um and then it wasn't until I kind of got associated with the multicultural councils um and you know Brought into the vision of Koraihiho, which is you know um, t- treaty-based, multicultural communities, and um, yeah, learned a lot um, about my role as Tangata Tiriti and um, how I can play um, and contribute towards um, yeah towards Tangata Whenua and, and honouring that partnership um, because you know we're we're here because they allowed us to to be part of yeah, to be um, part of their lands and, and guests and manuhiri here. So, um, yeah, that's kind of like my journey, I guess, in um, learning about Te reo te o Waitangi and, and um, Tikanga Māori. And I'm always trying to, yeah, better myself in that space. And, um, and it's not about learning the language as such, um, also, although that is something that I am working on, but it's also about understanding, you know, the history and the context um, you know where we were at in a in a kind of world view during the time of Māori and, um, and the treaty you know and prior to that it's, it's all yeah it's learning more about it's, it's there's so much more to learn you know like the values and the principles and all of those things and I think that's really important to learn as
0: well so yeah <laughs> that's, that's quite beautifully put together and I think that's a story that a lot of um, our youngsters and people who don't necessarily have um, indigeneity to this land would resonate with as well. Um, for me personally, again, you know, everything you've said, like um, in high school, I wasn't exposed to learning Māori. Um, for me personally, now, you know, that you be in spaces where you see how marginalized people are, you realize the importance of making sure that the native language carries on over the next generation. So for me, you know, um, I've made that effort of making sure that I do a conversational Māori paper in my university. So I know the basics, fundamentals, but that doesn't mean you know that my journey in teoreo ends there it's always about continuing and growing and how I um unfortunately like I said I didn't learn anything um in high school but after you know coming across so much um And coming across readings as well, you know, you see the gaps that our Tangata Whenua goes through because of um, colonization. Um, And then we also live in the era of post-colonization. So you see those repercussions and effects still um, coming around. So personally, for me, how I honor the 3D of Tiger is by giving space in where I go um, to someone from the people sorry, from the, of the land um, and making sure that their voices are heard. Um, and they are the ones who open that space for us because at the end of the day, um, we are um, on their land. Um, and while this is our home and will continue to be, um, it wouldn't have been possible without, um, without their help and without the acknowledgement of us on this land. Um, so yeah, that's basically my understanding of um, Treaty of Waitangi and how I will continue to honour that. Um, the next question that I have over here is what is an opinion um, or was an opinion that challenges you
1: yeah oh gosh there's so many like um, so I think I I have kind of been very um, intentional in the space of um, you know personal development and personal growth and I think yeah, I don't even know, like, where to start in terms of, like, an opinion that I may have had, but I feel that, um, yeah, that's a really hard question to answer, but, like, <laughs> but at the same time, I know there'd be so many things, but trying to, um, I guess, think of one, um, honestly, like, I feel that I didn't realize that there were so many different um perspectives out there and I find that you know it's not as such that um personally my I yeah I guess my opinions have been challenged but it's also just you know um as we I guess grow older and you know like we're both quite young as well so um our opinions are constantly being challenged um and we're constantly being faced with new perspectives and and more insights but I think it's just that um actually this is a good opinion that may have been challenged is I never realized like how much growth I had to do in my life um and how intentional I had to be with that and that's it's not just for like personal growth but it's it's you know like in a holistic sense with everything that I do um even when we think of like our um journey of um you know understanding the tree of Waitangi um even in that there's so much, um, intentionality that has to be done. And there's a lot of like self-awareness that I find, well, I found that there was a lot of self-awareness that I lacked. And that was probably an an opinion or a perspective that was challenged for me, um, when I was exposed to my mentors. And, um, so I, I do quite a like, I'm affiliated with, um, mentorship outside of my work and, um, all of that. And, you know, when I got, when I, yeah, got access to, to that kind of relationship of mentorship that really helped expose a lot of maybe preconceived opinions that I had around um certain things or just in, in life in general and really broaden my um broaden my perspective and, and kind of I think gave me an outside perspective or a third-party perspective to to life in general and um how I was constantly operating in my comfort zone and never really like yeah, I was challenged to to think outside of that and to, to live outside of that comfort zone and because I think that's where, you know, real growth happens and, um, you know, you kind of put yourself in a situation where you have to face the reality of things yeah. uh, and even, like, um, even for me, like, to be fully transparent and honest, like, growing up, I... Um, wasn't exposed to, even though I, like, I, I, you know, live in Porirua and I grew up here, um, and, you know, the Pacifica Maori, I, well, Pacifica mostly, I feel, is, um, like, there's, there's a high population of Pacific people in, um, Porirua, um, and, like, even my mum and our families, we've got blended families, so my sisters are half Pacific, half Fijian Indian, so, um but I but I wasn't really exposed to a lot of multi culture or, or people in general. And so I feel that I kind of adopted a lot of like the opinions that, that my grandparents had around um you know those specific people and then after I guess yeah, being exposed, like as as I mentioned, going to university and then um being in the multicultural space, like it was just like a total opinion that got challenged, but challenged in a good way where I you know have had these thoughts because of the association that I had but after changing that association it gave me a a different perspective which is for the betterment to be honest like um, so yeah I think in general like a lot of opinions are constantly being challenged Um, but in saying that I do live or yeah I do go by the saying that you know um, an opinion like What's, there's a saying and it's like um a person with a when with an opinion is um powerless to someone something like I, I can't remember but I have to get back to you on it but right. I think it's it's something it, the the meaning behind it is that you know it's the credibility of opinions right and I think this is the thing with opinions is that they are just someone's thoughts yeah and Um, opinions should constantly be challenged because there are different things out there you know that we perspectives out there that we constantly need to be um need to be brought to life and we need to be challenged all the time um that's the way that we all evolve and um you know this links to social cohesion as well which I'm sure we'll get into later but um Yes. But yeah, I think it's like the credibility of opinions. Um, it's always important to to look to to the credibility of it um, because, you know, you, it's also like, where's that opinion coming from? So I think, yeah, that's like another sort of thing that I've realized is always looking behind. Okay, so this opinion, where is it coming from? Like, what is it serving me? What is it teaching me? Yeah, all those things too. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I think. <laughs>
0: I think that's that's a very good point that you've raised is that um, you know people are evolving, time is evolving, so are we, and so will our opinions and our um, you know our thoughts and trains of stuff that we have in our head. Um, when you were mentioning that you know you're you're surrounded by people and your opinions are kind of like shaped off what they perceive and then what they um tell you as well. So I related to that quite well. Um growing up, you know, your family especially I would say because I am from the Fijian Indian community. Um, Fijian Indian community, you see that your parents protect you um, from outside or like general world affairs stuff. They don't want you to get, get hurt. They want to keep you protected and safe. So what that would look like is when you are exposed to new things, new people, um, new new stuff, you, you kind of like have that moment when you realize that your opinions that your parents necessarily I wouldn't say necessarily domesticated but ultimately um valued into you or moralled into you um is challenged by people from different opinions so that that quite very um, beautifully resonated with myself you know when I came to university I was like who are these people their flats are so unclean like they need to just stop burning the couches because that's bad <laughs> so those kind of things you know I'm, I'm just making a mockery here but um ultimately what it means is that how do you coexist or um how do you tackle the fact that there are so many other peoples that exist amongst you um that's whose opinion will challenge you. And I think one of the important learnings that I've also taken away from from just being challenged about my opinion is the fact that um, we still exist in a society. We still live in a place where people from different opinions and beliefs and values exist, what we need to be looking is um, where their values and beliefs um, are coming from and how does it shape their opinion because ultimately what that would mean is that you still may not agree with them but you would understand their perspective and um, I I think there's a little bit more sense of um, respect that would come with it. and again, I correlate that with the idea of, um, you know, social media and the amount of information and perspectives we get on that platform. While um, while it is amazing to see, you know, a lot of people taking up that space, speaking out, it's also important, it's quite um, vastly important for myself that I make sure that I know the source of that information um, before I let it challenge me or um, I let it, um, I guess, um, intrigued me so yeah thank you thank you for raising that point um so I think another question that kind of correlated with that and we have briefly talked about um our family secret circles and who people we are exposed to but just summarizing who or what influences um, and feeds your worldviews
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, li- I really like that question um and it kind of correlates what you- uh, again what you said to like that association aspect and you know obviously growing up like I think our primary influences into our worldviews, um growing up are typically like our parents and and like for me it was my grandparents so um gosh like so many things um that I thought of about certain races or certain countries or um you know, certain foods or whatever it be was because of like what they kind of instilled in me, yeah. um, which is fine because that's that's all we're exposed to, mm-hmm. and so, um, I think you know, as we get older, then it becomes our friends and our teachers, and um, and then I guess if we're not uh, associated around quite a diverse group, then you know, typically our. Um, worldviews will become quite narrow and um, quite close-minded as such Um, but yeah you're not exposed to quite a quite a variety of different worldviews when you're not around a a diverse group of people right so I'm like uh, growing up so I went to a private school and there weren't a lot of um, a lot of people from different cultures so um, even like, I didn't have Indian friends growing up, so that was really difficult for me, so um, kind of links to that kind of, that identity crisis, um, I guess, because I, I never took, like, I never took, yeah, my cultural food to school, it wasn't until I got to uni, um, but yeah, like, I um, would shy away from my culture, um, unless, like, you know, you'd get the compliment, the compliment of, oh, you know, you're quite pretty for an Indian girl or um, you know, those types of things. And, oh, that's really exotic. And you just think like, oh, wow, like I finally feel accepted. Um, it, it, that might that was a mindset that I had back then. It was like, oh, I finally feel like I, you know, I'm accepted in their eyes. And like, it's not weird for me to look different. Yep. But, but like, re- as you become older, you realize how wrong that is. <laughs> and you know like and, and yeah you and obviously you can relate like we all go through those motions and like yeah. as, as an Indian like or someone you know from that sort of um you know Middle Eastern Asian Southeast Asian those types of places like we, we've, we've all gone through that yeah. um experience and I think yeah so so as you go older and get older like um I think it's really important to seek um like yeah intentionally start seeking um influences in your life that can give you a really good um outlook on um or can give you really that can influence your world views and so I I feel that I've I feel that I've done a pretty good job at doing that um yeah. where I am very intentional with who I allow like in my ear, and my space um um and yeah I think um I think it's a really important Um, thing that needs to be more explored because I like I've gone through my fair share of like quite challenging friendships and um, toxic you know all of those things and I'm sure like everyone's gone through them as well Um, but I it really like for me like when I still see people that I was associated with maybe like five years ago um, and I know that you know say said person or people are still at that same place like I I couldn't imagine being in that place you know yeah. like I can't I can't ever imagine looking back even two years or, or a year ago and being the same person that I was yeah. because I think it's really important like I mentioned you to continue to challenge your your opinions and your thoughts and your beliefs um, because that's essentially how we grow and how we evolve and um, you know if we're not doing that then I, yeah, I just, I just, you know, for me, like, that, that would just be, like, my ultimate nightmare, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I, I've just been quite intentional, and I think it's really important for us to, you know, seek that external perspective, and, and have really challenging conversations, mm-hmm. um, to influence our worldviews, um, because I think it's really important to, you know, continue to, I guess, um, uh, to learn to
0: just to just learn and to yeah Yeah. Yeah. uh... no no you you made a couple of good points there um I like the idea when you mentioned like intentional what do you want to take from that space how do you want to take it and use it in your own space um, is it of any genuine use, or is it just some inter- intellectual nonsense? Because I've come across that um, quite. You yeah. come across that quite a, a bit, especially when you go through education institutions. You know, oh. you're exposed to a lot of um, readings um, that we both agree that we don't like. Um, but ultimately, <laughs> what that means is um, it educates. Um, but from a biased point of view of what um, certain certain things may look like for certain people and that's that's potentially um when I go like what's the intention of this and what's the reason why it's out there what good or what bad is it gonna do um to anyone so I was just reading like um Chandra Mahanti um she's an amazing feminist theorist um you know and she had put world like words out there about um third world feminist of how women from um third world are classified um lower than western feminist and how do we how do we explore that so all that stereotypes that she's pointed out you see that and you go like oh my god the um the western feminist that i was you know like so so what do you call it um so mesmerized by is actually doing this 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 in yeah. their work and if it wasn't for the other person pointing out so i think Again, the concept of making sure that you know your intentions, uh, minus to making sure whenever or however I talk, it's a representative of the marginalized communities. While it's not representing all of them, um, my voices come from my own experiences and I think um, it becomes quite relatable to a lot of them. So for me, what feeds my worldviews would be other marginalized community members um, and making sure that if in their absence, I'm carrying their voices to spaces where they need to be carried um so that's kind of like how I look into um influences of person or people who um, influence my worldviews ultimately um so just for the listeners so we're doing in this two parts just because Robbie is super super busy um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna finish up with um um maybe two cards if we have time but um I want to ask you when have you changed your mind about something that you were passionate about
1: mm, yeah I have gone through this many many times so I remember for a very long time I wanted to be a news reporter I have no mm-hmm. idea why I, I think it was just like I, I would just watch news reporters and I really liked the look right. of it uh, <laughs> that was like a huge thing that I was really passionate about, um, up until I probably got to like high school, um, and then I did like, um, I did history, and I really loved history, and, um, I used to watch a lot of, um, TV shows, and kind of like the social justice, more, and, um, obviously, yeah, when you grow up watching like law TV shows, you see a lot of like the prosecution, um, and the court cases, so then I wanted to be a lawyer, Uh, and then I got to uni, and I really struggled with law, Uh, and it was a very, like, love-hate relationship, Um, and yeah, didn't follow through with it, but I was really enjoying my um, BA, and so I was doing political science as a major, and then I thought, okay, I'm going to continue this, and so I continued with the BA, and I picked up international relations as well, and I did some public policy as well, so, um, yeah, passions have changed a lot throughout that, and even after university, like, I remember my final year, um, I guess life kind of hit me, um, and, and, yeah, I started to think about my future, and, um, I guess my why, and I think this is like a really important, um, impo- this is a really important topic that, you know, a lot of people aren't exposed. I, I think people are being exposed to it now, but um, it's still quite, I would say, um, it's framed in different ways, but I think, um, you know, your why is like your driving force and why you get up every day and why you do what you do. And, um, you know, you can have, I guess, a short-term or a long-term, whatever why, You know, I have, I have like short-term whys and I have long-term whys and all of those things. So for me, I started thinking, well, yeah, like after, I guess, again, getting associated to uh, my mentors, it really helped me think about what it was like, why, why was I doing what I was doing and why do I want to be a lawyer and why do I want to, um, oh yeah. So actually backtracking, like when I did the political science stuff, I wanted to, um, you know have a political career and all of these things and I, I would say like it's not fully ruled off the table it's just in the back burner at the moment because I have other things that um I'm you know I want to do first yeah. um but you know I wanted to yeah go down that career path of becoming a minister and all of those things and we're working at the UN and um and whatever like crazy um aspirational goals which are still you know I think everyone should aim to um if that is something they should totally go for it Um, but for me that's not something I I actually want to do anymore um and yeah I guess I've kind of figured out um what why it is that I want to do what I want to do right so um after kind of yeah really asking myself some um pretty hard questions like what are my values what are my beliefs and um you know, there's an exercise of, um, to figure out your why, and, and I think it takes time as well, um, but, you know, you would, ask, you ask yourself, okay, w- why do I want to do this, and then you ask yourself again, why, but, yep. okay, but why, mm-hmm. and then you kind of ask yourself that, like, five times, and then, um, and I think over time, that it develops, and, and it changes, and, or it evolves, and, um, you know, that's, that's why it's really important to kind of, be associated with people that are helping you in the space of growth and um you know are like-minded and I guess um you know have that sort of lived experience and um and also like have the you know it's it's about surrounding yourself around people who have the fruit on the tree um and I think this is really important and like I consider myself very very lucky and fortunate and blessed to be able to have people like that in my life because I know that um, you know some people aren't like they're, they're, they're searching for that but they don't have that and so um, that's another thing of like why I want to do is to help people in that space that are actually you know searching for that and and kind of paying it forward and imparting that wisdom where where I can and um, or connecting them to someone that can um, guide them in that space as well um, but yeah so my why is um, my why has really led me to I guess, my purpose and my calling now, I would say, and I think that, you know, there's a really good book called The Delusion of Passion, I would highly, highly recommend, like, every young person to read it, Um, and it helped me a lot, um, because even, yeah, there's a lot of things around this word passion, and um, I think that, you know, even for us, like, it's like, what is passion, like, where does passion even come from? Um, and so that's a really important thing to to start thinking about because I I genuinely feel that our passion is derived from our why Um, and when we can find out what our why is then like man like we're invincible like (laughs) you know Um, backed by like a work ethic and focus like you can do some incredible
0: things so yeah (laughs) yeah wow I think I think you have a very strong reason behind your why I'm in that you know and that hasn't come from yesterday but has developed over time and you know over your over your career as well as your high school journey and university journey of however whatever they might look like um you know for personally for me again a similar but in a health side um situation i wanted to become a doctor because apparently my parents saw me enjoying this um television show about doctors from the of eight, and that has been my um, goal. Came to university, despised it, um, not because I don't like it, but more to do with the fact that um, there's so much things in the system that needs to change before you know you you can actually become someone um, who can help people. Um, so I wanted to be in that policy level. So that's why I've taken politics as my major. I'm in also doing a pol- uh, major in Pacific Island Studies, So I'm doing a double major at the moment, hopefully graduate next year. Um, but that came from that came from a long way, you know, from trying to be a doctor. So there's definitely a change. But at the end of the day, the passion is still the same: is to represent my people, make their voices heard, um, and along that line, radio. So moving on to the interpersonal level, um, a question for you, Rabia, is what is the line between funny and offensive? And then, in conjunction with that, um, I want to ask the question what's the difference between writing a comment online versus saying that to a person face-to-face
1: yeah this is a really good question I think um so just to the first part of the question like the difference between funny and offensive and so I think like um that kind of ties in to that second part of the online space and like you know social media and those like social networking sites and Um, obviously like you and I grew up in a generation where social media was quite present in our lives so for us you know we like even for myself just touching on my experience like I would get tagged in memes um, or see memes um, and like one very vivid um, and I think a lot of Muslim (laughs) people could relate to this is um, you'd see like I don't know, some sort of cartoon or something that's happening, and then, like, um, a bomb would go off, or, like, something would would essentially explode, and then there would be, like, the Allahu Akbar, like, at the end of it, and obviously, that's just, like, goes back to, I think, 9-11, and, yeah, that's the correlation there, and a lot of people don't realize, I guess, like, they think it's funny, like, they genuinely think it's funny, and I'm just, like, um, like, you don't think, like, you're not allowed to think it's funny, that's for my community to decide whether or not it's funny, you know, and, like, we yeah. can joke about that, because that's our people, yeah. um, or I, I wouldn't say those extremists that are people, but, you know, yeah. at yeah. the end of the day, like, that's something from, you know, out my faith, and, um, yeah. and I think even, like, and a, like, just being kind of transparent, I guess, here, yeah, like, um, you know, some, like me and my Muslim friends will often joke about how like, oh, if we like had a backpack and we walked in um, yeah. and like, for example, like my nani, my grandma's a hijabi, right? So yeah. if, her and, if she walked in with like a, a backpack, people yeah. would eye her out. And like, we, we find that like quite funny, the fact that like people are going to eye out like certain, you know, because of the correlation that it has to the bigger picture of like 9-11 and things like that. Yeah. And, like, often, like, we'll just joke around and be like, oh, my God, imagine if, like, I just walked in and, like, said Allahu Akbar and how, like, you know, the reaction that we, people would get. Yeah. And it's so true. And, like, there's so many examples of even, like, um, like, uh, imams or sheikhs. And, th- for example, for context, you know, that's, like, a sort of Muslim leader in the community where um, they had been around the time that 9-11 happened, yeah. they were potentially going back to their home, um, and just, you know, for a visit as they normally would have. Yeah. And um because a lot of Sheikhs and Imams have like a long beard, yeah. um, and they normally wear like the traditional Muslim attire, yeah. um, they I, there's one instance that I know of where they weren't allowed on the plane. So it's like, you know, things like that where our culture, I guess my people from my faith have been um, yeah kind of radicalized and um and stereotyped because of that so I think yeah just coming back to that question of like funny and offensive like there definitely is a very very fine line between that and I think um you know that's where a lot of I guess social awareness and I guess self awareness really helps in that space of just understanding um you know the context and education around um those types of things like for example, 9-11 and the impact that it had on the Muslim community, um, or people of color as well, um, and they're so, like, you could, you literally could look up on Google, you know, the impacts of 9-11 on, like, the Muslim community, and you would find a lot of examples of people that, yeah, um, were radicalized, um, and stereotyped in that way, um, and then I think, you know, that kind of correlates to the online space, and, and this is just like a, I guess, uh, ongoing, um, what's the word, like an ongoing sort of feeling or issue, um, that happens on a daily basis for, um, I would say people from my community and from my faith that we face, and it's the reality, and I think it's that shift in attitude and, um, mindset that, you know, plays a huge role, and obviously, you know, things like education plays a huge role in that, so, Yeah,
0: a bit of a long answer to it. No, I, think, I think that this is a perspective that I really, really respect when someone brings on the table is the effects of the aftermath of, you know, 9-11 and how it impacts our ethnic community, especially our Muslim refugees mm-hmm. and migrant communities. So Thank you for bringing that on the table. And I think it's a perspective that a lot of listeners would probably learn from as well. Um. And because I would also say that this is a, this is a situation or a topic that a lot of people in our community try to avoid answering. Hmm. It's just because um, it's just not necessarily because they, um, they don't have a voice or they don't have an opinion about it. Rather they're, they're scared to say of the opinion in a community that may not be able to understand or relate to them. So thank you so much for bringing that on the table. But even
1: like further to that, Renisha, like, you think of the current incident that happened with Newland Mosque, Um sorry, sorry mm-hmm. no, no, the Newland yeah. incident. Um, yeah. And, you know, people like, you, you saw FIANs, um, uh NIA, like all of these Muslim um, organisations had to come out and they had to put something okay. forward as a, I condemn this, like we condemn this. And you yeah. have to question, why is that? Why do yeah. we have to this responsibility and obligation to condemn, because we all know that extremists,
0: yeah,
1: aren't aren't actually, um, you know, the face of their religion. Like we all know that that's a fact. Yeah. So, you know, you like I think yeah, yeah it's kind of correlates to that. Um, you know, what I was saying before around I guess the education and, um, even then, you know, it's like the use of social media in that instance and, um, having to you know, people even question, like, oh, why have they not said anything, why has no one in the Muslim community said anything, or, yeah, yeah, there's a lot to it, but, yeah, I just wanted to bring that forward as well, like, yeah, something for people to ponder on, I guess,
0: yeah, 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 again, yeah, and, and you're, you're so correct in that, like, my Facebook feed, um, because I also follow quite a few, um, you know, marginalized communities and other migrant communities, I saw tons of, um, you know, our associations that are doing like underground work for other stuff as well, having to put a pause on everything so that they can release this yeah. you know, piece of document, which says that actually I condemn this, which for me should be a given already. Like they're not part of this, you know, mm-hmm. it's not something that you should reflect on our migrant and our refugee communities for or at, um, so that obligatory sort of like um concept that you need to respond to that because you are from that community um you know the idea yeah. of i guess to some point that um that saviorship and that tokenism comes oh hundred percent into... yeah, 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 yeah yeah so it, it gets on my nerve and thank you for bringing that into perspective as well
1: <laughs> honestly this could be a whole hour long discussion around you can do a lecture you know, like on this.
0: <laughs> right okay let's move on um, We are just under 18 minutes for the show. It's already going so quick. (laughs) Um, I think the next question I want to ask you is, what is political correctness? Mm. And this This is is a conversation, I think, again, a lot of people kind of avoid as because necessarily they don't understand the term political correctness. Um, And then also what it brings to the table. I think political correctness to its own is like a theory. Um, you
1: know, <laughs> yeah.
0: people have different definitions for it. What are your thoughts on
1: this? Yeah, and that's exactly what I was going to say. Right, it it is a theory, and I think it stems from like political science. And obviously, you and I are both, um, you know, for I I've already finished my degree. Yeah, i political science, and you're <laughs> um, almost almost done. So you know, I think, um, and to be honest, like political theory, I. I tried to stay away from those papers Um, and that's because um, you kind of look to who created those political theories and a lot of it and I think you already know I'm gonna say (laughs) a lot (laughs) of it comes from white men um, just being fully transparent like that's like that's how I personally have have seen that and you look at you see the photos of you know, even, like, Karl Marx, and, like, Marx theory, like, he's, he's, a, he's a white man, and I, you know, it's, I like, they, they are theories that do make sense, but it's only one perspective, right, and it's kind of like what we said in um, part one, is that if you, you know, that's all that their worldview is, and that's all our worldview is going to be, so why would we only go off one person's, sort of, or one demographic, and their experience, right, like, it's common sense it's not me hating on them Mm -hmm. um because they've obviously paved the way for thinking which I appreciate but I think that you know we need to diversify our um political opinions and political theories so I so I tended to stay away from political theory (laughs) papers because of that reason and uh, to be honest I very much enjoyed um more of the practical sort of political um papers or the political science and um you know Even looking at it from public a
0: public policy and yeah
1: yeah, yeah. yeah just like yeah. a wider sort of world view where I get get more of a yeah get more perspectives and more um just insights more different insights rather than yeah and to be honest like sometimes I would zone out when it came to theory so yeah. that's just me personally like <laughs> just zoning out to theory, theoretical yeah. things but that's that's something that I need to work on so that's separate to that but yeah. um, yeah, I think you know what you said around um political correctness, and everyone has their own sort of um, take on it. And I think that's essentially what it is. Like, I don't think that there is one um, like there's one definition or there's one right way or one way or a one approach to yeah. what political correctness is. Yeah. I think that you know everyone has their own take on um on politics, and, and that's the whole point, right, and when we think of democracy, and when we think of politics, like, it's supposed to be that you um, have that sort of freedom of speech, and you are free to, and, you, you know, you're a free thinker, essentially, right, so, yeah, when I think of political critics, I think of um, being a free thinker, I think of, you know, living in a democratic society where I am allowed to, where I belong, and I feel like I can um, have my own opinions, but respect others as well. So that's yeah, that's sort of my take on it.
0: Yeah. I think I always get a little bit like I wouldn't say confused because I do have my own personal opinion on political correctness. But mm-hmm. I do get um turbulent when you know when I when I look at pro- political correctness in terms of referencing um and giving um you know the acknowledgement to mm. the actual theorist who has, you know, done their research. But to me, for some point, that's also political correctness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you, um, you're always acknowledging the work done before, mm-hmm. um, for that theory or whatever that brings. Yeah. But on the other on the other spectrum, for me, political correctness is um, intellectual nonsense that a lot of us use. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they, they use, that we use to, you know, get away with stuff, or um, you know, to to save our own selves from shit that we can get into.
1: <laughs> oh yes, and I think I think what you said around intellectual nonsense is a really good point because I find this with um, like certain researchers that I've come across or Mm -hmm. academics and um, you know, like I'm no academic, like I am just a person in the community who is like doing the mahi at a grassroots level, trying to get shit across the line. Oh, sorry. I (laughs) just trying to get stuff across the line. (laughs) Apologies. Um, But yeah, like I'm just trying to get stuff across the line and I'm trying to do well by my people. And I find, you know, it is good to get the opinions and perspectives of um, researchers and academics in that space, but sometimes it's just not relatable or it's just kind of like, I've come to you for advice and guidance yeah. and I just feel that there's like, yeah, there's no relatability and um, and, and it, 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 it comes across as intellectual nonsense in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then what you said before about the referencing part, like that is a really interesting point because even if we do think of like having to reference theorists, it com- comes back again to like who the theorists are, right? But yep. then you have to think of like, even, even if we think of like the work that is, um, you know, around climate change, just yes. as an example um, that people are coming out with and academics and theorists and, and researchers and are coming out with. Yep. And you kind of look to like the indigenous um, practices yeah. um and knowledge that's there and a lot of it was already there and a lot of it was already established so then I have to So sometimes like I have to question you know when we do think of these theorists and and people that are coming out with all these things like where did where did they get that information from because I'm sure that there's a source to yeah. that which is totally fine like I think it's it's great that they are coming out with that information but I think you know even for them they should acknowledge the um yeah where it kind of the root of that as well
0: yeah and a lot of um I'd say women is, uh sorry western um theorists mm. to forget to do that in their work yeah. um yeah so definitely definitely a very important point um moving on to the next question because I think we can also talk about political correctness for another hour yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> what is privilege that's a very yeah. simple question but quite a bit to think about yeah
1: to keep it brief but um So I think like privilege and my perspective is I guess I would say that I I would say that almost everyone sort of has a certain level of privilege right Right. Um, and so for me when I think of my privilege I think of that I was able to grow up in um, in a safe and um, in a safe home where I didn't have to worry about like finances so Mm -hmm. you know not worrying about finances that's a massive privilege because Mm -hmm. if you look at statistics in terms of any sort of stress or worry or even like divorce rate like a lot of it is to do with finances and so Mm -hmm. I would consider myself very privileged that I didn't have to worry about that Mm -hmm. um so that that's sort of like financial privilege and then we have like I guess emotional privilege which I feel that I lack quite a lot, Um, obviously coming from, you know, a cultural sort of family, um, you know, emotions are not really recognized and they're not, um, I guess, I guess it depends on like each to their own and their upbringing, so it's very much case by case, but for me and my family, um, I think, I feel that, you know, there could have been a lot more sort of emotional intelligence or emotional, I guess, um, recognition and acknowledgement Um, but that was sort of just chucked under the rug and, um, you know, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't really something that we showed or, or did, or it wasn't used in the right way because sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, like a lot of, well, I think this just comes back to emotional intelligence is around, like, if you respond, like use your emotions as an indicator rather than a dictator. Right. So, um, so yeah, it's just kind of like the right way of using that. Um, and then I guess there's also, um, you know, education privilege, so I was able to be educated in the right way, and that comes back to finances, right, because I guess if you have the means to be able to do certain things, then you're, like, that puts you so far ahead, like, so Mm -hmm. far ahead, Um, so I was able to, you know, go to a good school, like, I went to a private school, even, which, Mm -hmm. I mean, has its own privileges, but also, a lot of cons, like a like a lot of cons. Um, so, in, in a way, like yes, I did have that privilege, but I honestly, like, I would change a lot of that. And I ended up actually going to a public school when yeah. I was Year Thirteen, so that was a huge difference and seeing the privileges there and um, versus private and public. So, yeah, I think that there's multiple like levels of privilege, and then obviously there's like the privilege of, I guess. Um, you know race as well so there's so many yeah like I said there's so many different levels and I think that and obviously in the race aspect like I do have some certain level um but then it depends on who I'm around as well so that's a massive part so if I'm around a lot of Pakia people then obviously no I won't have that but if I'm like just being fully transparent if I'm with people that are darker than me then I will have that certain level of privilege because I'm lighter um, than a dark person, so it's so stuffed up how that works, but that's, to me, like, that's how I see privilege, and I, I'm always, and I think I've been very, very intentional in the past two, three, or since, it was actually what Priyanka Radhakrishnan said to me, Um, and so when I was at uni, I, in my, in my final year of university, I was a president for the Politics Society, and we had a woman in politics panel that we did in conjunction with the Victoria Feminist Association, oh sorry organization and um Priyanka was said um you know all of you here have a certain level of privilege the fact that you're in this room says, like is is a you know kind of um as a testimony to that and that completely shifted my perspective like to to this day like I still remember and I actually I actually reminded her of it when um when she became minister and i i told her i was like what you said to me that day still sticks to me to was the, that day. The, hug?
0: What's the, the reason what's the reason hug? Hug. Yeah. <laughs> oh i was i was just so happy looking at that hug for for our listeners who don't necessarily know priyanka just a reminder she's our um first um, Minister of Indian descent in mm. Parliament, she is the Minister of Social Development, Minister of Youth, um, and Associate Minister of the Voluntary Sector, if I'm not wrong.
1: I think she's Associate Minister of Social Development, right. and, and, and she's also okay. Minister for Diversity and Inclusion in FHU. That's right. There's a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> yeah, right. but
0: she's amazing. And yeah, so um, even I have had a chat with I was um I was lucky to be her um, oh let's say privileged to be her um, finalist you with me. Um, right, yeah. and you know what she extended to me was in her capacity that the passion that I bring on the table for forced marriage which she also did her master's mm. so, she did one-to-one um, mentoring with me for a couple of couple of times to boost me up into politics and to actually you know put that out there that oh, we are here, you know, as migrant community. She understood what I was going through. Mm. She understood that I was struggling with the system. When you talk about privileges and you talked about, you know, your um, economic, your educational, your emotional privileges, Mm. I've been um, impacted by all of them, you know, growing up in, coming from Fiji and then trying to transition. here. Being in that immigration and um, visas yeah. that, that suck the um, financial energy out of you. Yeah, yeah. going to university. You know, I've been through that process, and when you were saying that, I I think I haven't had that privilege throughout the whole. But um, with saying that, again, bringing the perspective that I still do have privilege, because Mm. when I look back um, to my uh, to Fiji and I see the young kids that I studied up growing with there, um, they're still struggling in the system, far more worse than I am, and that's the privilege that I host. Um, and how I how you, how I use that privilege, um, and I keep it to myself with gratitude, is by giving back mm-hmm. to the very same community. Um, yeah. You know, sending sending some financial means every now and then to them, mm-hmm. so they're doing well. They have food on their plate to eat. Um, It doesn't do much, but at least um, it gets the ball rolling for them. And then, you know, ultimately what you and I both, I think we want to do in our community and our spaces is to empower our young people, you know, so that that there's no more of that. Oh, she's the first one to do it. And we have, you know, we have collective action because being the first sucks. you have so much responsibility on your shoulder and while while it's a privilege you know it's a privilege that comes with a lot of responsibilities um so yeah wanted to acknowledge that we have three minutes left (laughs) oh my god okay okay let's move on real quick um i'm gonna scratch the other two questions from the societal level um Just like going back with privilege, um, and talking about yourself, what kind of person do you want to be for our society, our community in New Zealand, Aotearoa? What
1: kind of, sorry, person you want to be? What kind of person do I want to be in Aotearoa? This is a, oh, this is such a, like, big question, (laughs) um, but I think, uh, yeah, this is a huge, huge question, um. I think I just want to be, um, like for me, my values, like my values are very much around, um, you know, like my whānau, um, my faith, um, I guess, um, just investing in myself, Mm -hmm. um, my community, Mm -hmm. um, so service. And I think I just want to embody that in, in every kind of capacity in every way that I can. And that's you know, I always want to continue doing so and leveling up in that capacity as well. And that's the kind of person I want to be. And I want to, I want to stay true to those values. Um, yeah. you know, no matter what success I, you know, have in life or where I am, um, or who I become, like, I always just want to kind of stay true to those values and, and pay it forward, mm-hmm. um, at all times, because I think, I think this, you know, concept of pay it forward is as massive and, um, and it's not something that can, because I think there's, there's two parts to it. And, you know, sometimes you can pay it forward, but pay it forward for the wrong intention yes. um, and the wrong reasons. And, and, you know, we, we had that conversation yesterday about intentionality. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, when I think pay it forward, it's, it's pay paying it forward uh, because of the gratitude that you have and, and, you know, the privilege again, that we hold and, um, and it's not paying it forward for the like for a tokenistic purpose but it's it's paying it forward because you genuinely have you know the right intention and the desire to want to see others succeed and to and to and to want others to have more success than than you ever have accomplished and and that's what I um envision even like you know I've got four younger sisters and I'm just like man they're so much more intelligent and so much more um like at the the ages that they're at um and like the level of comprehension that they have and, 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 you know, the intellect that they hold and, and the beauty that they have and, and all of those things, you know, it's just like, man, like I want them to be so much more successful than I ever will be. Um, and, you know, I genuinely want that. And I think I want that for every young woman as well is that um, to have that in their life and, and to bring others along and, uh, you know, in this journey with me as well um, of, you know, for lack of a better word, success, and, um, you know, being champions in their own regard as well, so, so, yeah, yeah I guess that's the kind of person that I want to be, you know, is, is just constant, consistently staying true to my values, being my true authentic self, that's massive, Brené Brown, like, hones on this so much, and I'm a, I, I love her, um, her work, and around that, um, and, yeah, and just paying it forward, yeah, I think that's, yeah. And, wow. and embracing my culture at all times as well you know? I know yeah.
0: I know that keeps you grassroots
1: and grounded
0: um, yeah in any space you go to um but yeah that uh, I want to do so much of commenting on that and I want to say <laughs> how incredible you are but I yeah. wanted to talk about social cohesion <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should have you for another segment if you're not too busy sometimes maybe yeah I'll, I'll definitely
1: maybe even get um some some others from my work if that's oh. possible.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course it's possible. Um, you can have multiple people on here. But yeah, thank you everyone for tuning in and listening. Thank you, Rabia, for joining me in um for today's episode. Um, till next time, please stay safe. Um, keep well and take care of yourself ourselves. Um bye-bye. <laughs> You were listening to Hear Us Say with Renisha at Otago Access Radio at 105.4 FM Dunedin. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.